Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, January 14th, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tiamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, did you happen to make it to the Lincoln Center area to, uh, on uh, on Monday? Uh, Like the physical area? Yes, the general area around Lincoln Center. I did not. You probably would have needed a boat or a kayak <laughs> yeah, because there was a major water main break. And normally when you hear there's a water main break, you're like, okay, whatever. They got that fixed, whatever. No, there was like, uh, it was flood level conditions around Lincoln Center. It messed with transit, I believe subways and buses, obviously. Yeah, subways are never working, but they especially weren't working yesterday. Yeah, so it's uh, lots of closings, lots of craziness. Um, so if, uh... I was supposed to go, I was actually supposed to be in that area, uh, it wasn't, so clearly my general laziness was inspired. Yeah, good timing. I know. Good timing to be lazy, but, uh, <laughs> so hopefully, uh, anybody who had something going on around there, they either got it rescheduled or they had their waiters with them. And W-A-D-E-R-S. I, was, I had to like think of it for a second, and I was like... Yeah, not like uh, not like the waiter's gallop. Easier to get from, a reservation. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's down on 14th yeah, Street. Yeah, sure. Anyway, <laughs> um, if you uh, love this witty banter that we have in explaining... <laughs> Our uh, our homonym jokes. <laughs> yeah, you can head over to to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. Homonym. Oh, okay. I think that's the right word. Homophone. Homophone, I think is what it is. I don't remember. I'm that's old. So anyway, let's get into the news, actually, because we have a ton of it. Yesterday, it was announced that the producing team of Harriet Newman-Levy, Ellen DeGeneres, Portia de Rossi, Lily Tomlin, and Jane Wagner, they announced that they would be bringing the groundbreaking lesbian play Last Summer at Bluefish Cove to Broadway for the very first time, and that it will be directed by Cynthia Nixon. The play by Jane Chambers had uh, Jane Jane Chambers had its off-Broadway premiere in 1981, so this will be the 40th anniversary of the show. That's pretty cool. And yeah, when the show comes in, the press release claims that it will be, quote, Broadway's first with an all-female creative team and cast. Ooh. So uh, pretty pretty exciting there. Always trust who those the women? Yes, always trust the lesbians. <laughs> uh, who, we're all lesbians. Yes. Yeah, we're all lesbians. Um, those who, uh, who those women will be and when and where it will be coming in was not yet announced. But with the producing team like that, I really doubt that they will have problems finding Pretty good casting team. Out. With uh, Cynthia yeah. Nixon moving back to acting slash creative from politics, you know Hillary Clinton will be in that audience for sure. Oh, I thought you said Hillary Clinton will be oh, in that. Oh, that would I be thought, amazing. Like, you were say, no, I was saying, because they were talking about, I saw some rumors of love letters coming to yeah, that's later. off-Broadway that's later stage. Great. Um, but I saw some jokes that Hillary and Bill should do it, so. Oh, heaven. No, God, no. <laughs> Jesus Christ, no. Anyway, the uh, other Broadway-bound show that made an announcement yesterday was Broadway Vacation, comma, the musical, based on the National Lampoon's vacation movie franchise with a book, music, and lyrics by our friends David Rossmer and Steve Rosen from the other Josh Cohen. The show will be directed and choreographed by Donna Fiore and produced by Ken Davenport. Wah, wah. Mm. The show will be the show will open the 2020-2021 season at Seattle's Fifth Avenue Theater later this fall. More information about the wins and who's will be announced at a later date. But 
The last reading for the show, which happened in November, featured Will Swenson and Carrie Butler as the Griswolds, as well as John Ellison Conley, John Bailman, Asmaret Gibber-Michelle, Jeff Hiller, and more. So between the producing team for The Last Summer at Bluefish Cove, and then the reading team, which obviously has no bearing necessarily on who will be cast in the show, but that's one hell of a, uh, a, a cast for a reading of... A show produced by Ken Davenport. But uh, <laughs> Steve and David are... Win. I was going to say, you can't win all aspects of that. Because I, no, I know you're a fan of uh, the writing yes. team. Yes. Not necessarily David Rossmer and Steve team. Rosen. <laughs> right. Are, they're hilarious. They're funny. They're genuinely just nice guys. Uh, if you forget, I had an episode of Tell Me More with them. Uh, we actually sat down with them in person. One of the few times I do that, they were lovely. I sat with them at the in the upstairs lounge at the West Side Theater where the other Josh Cohen was playing. That's now the lobby outside of the uh, the theater for uh, Little Shop of Horrors. And I ran into them a couple times after that, and just lovely, genuine guys. So I hope the best for them with this show. All right, Ashley, let's move on to last week's Broadway grosses. And in no surprise to anyone, last week saw a dramatic downturn for Broadway as a collective (laughs) unit following (laughs) the holidays as they there was a 28 percent dip in receipts or nearly 12 million dollars. If you prefer the actual currency figures, we aren't going to spend a ton of time going over the numbers because how much they dipped from the previous week, which in many cases was a nine show week, doesn't really matter Uh, this week. It's kind of all just whatever. It's a weird transitional week, but we will run through the seven figure club, which had Hamilton on top at $2,763,874. Broadway's only $2 million show last week, followed by Moulin Rouge, The Lion King, Tina, To Kill a Mockingbird, West Side Story, Wicked, Ain't Too Proud, Beetlejuice, Hades Town. Aladdin, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Dear Evan Hansen, American Utopia, in six shows, The Book of Mormon, Freestyle Love, Supreme, 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 Jagged Little Pill, and Frozen, all above seven figures. Interestingly enough, though, Ashley, the seven bottom-grossing shows of last week all actually saw increases, either from, on the low end, 19k with a soldier's play, to $182,735 in the black for The Sound Inside, which closed on Sunday. Freestyle Love Supreme, which also closed last week, saw a $90,854 increase to top $1 million for the first, and only, time during its Broadway run. So actually, like I said, not a ton of surprises here, but what will be really interesting will be how the shows that aren't closing, that aren't limited runs, rebound over the next month or so before tourists start coming for spring break and then into the summer. But this week is just weird and wonky and whatever. A weird wonky Um, week. Yeah, but what happens next is super, super interesting. All right, speaking of something that is... I guess super, super interesting, but also super, super frustrating. <laughs> let's let's talk about the Academy Award nominations. Yesterday they were announced, and wow, there's a lot to talk about. Okay, so uh, John Cho, who is the um, uh, he's an actor, writer, and producer, and uh, Issa Rae, they announced the um, the nominations, and man, they're 
meet cute rom-com banter and then some nice little digs at stuff were really really good we'll get to that but in terms of theater folk who got nominations cynthia revo received not one but two oscar nominations first for best actress for starring in harriet then she also received a nomination for best original song for the song stand up which she performed from the film as well um and also some theatery type folks uh, in the Best Actress category, Scarlett Johansson, Tony Winner uh, was nominated for Marriage Story. Renee Zellweger was nominated for playing Judy Garland. Adam Driver received a Best Actor nomination for starring in Marriage Story. He was nominated alongside Tony Winner, Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. In the Best Supporting Actress category, Scarlett Johansson was nominated again for Jojo Rabbit. Uh, then we had Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, and Al Pacino all receiving nominations for Best Supporting Actor category. Sam Mendes received a nomination for Best Director for 1917. He also received a Best Adapted Screenplay nomination, and that film is up for Best Picture. Joining Arrivo in the Best Original Song category are some Broadway favorites, Kristen Anderson Lopez and Bobby Lopez for Into the Unknown from Frozen 2, Elton John and Bernie Taupin for I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man. Chrissy Metz from uh, the TV show This Is Us for I'm Standing With You from Breakthrough and Randy Newman for I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away from Toy Story 4. The Lion King live-ish action thing received a nomination for Best Visual Effects, but Frozen 2 was pretty much snubbed for everything other than song yeah Yeah, really strong really strange but the best picture category is ford versus ferrari the irishman jojo rabbit joker little women marriage story 1917 once upon a time in hollywood and parasite the thing actually that got a ton of conversation was the fact that the best director category features bong joon ho sam mendez todd phillips Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino. In case you aren't familiar with Bong Bong Joon-ho, he's a man. So that means all five of the nominees and best uh, director are men uh, for the second year in a row. Um, Little Women is now the 14th female directed film uh, to have been nominated for best picture. Of those, only four of those films were also nominated for best director. So 10 of those movies directed themselves. Um, which is how it's amazing. films work when they're directed yeah, right? by women. It's like, I think it's like you don't little, really need the little... conductor in an orchestra. The band just does all the work. Right. right. I mean, and I'm not saying that every Best Picture nominee, the director also has to no, be nominated. And but when you look at Best Picture four... nominees shouldn't have even been up there in the first place. We'll, so. we'll get, yeah, we'll get yeah. there. But, you know, I, like I said, I don't think that all Best Pictures have to have a director nomination as well. But when it's four out of 14, maybe you start to see a trend. So real quick, I want to run through this and then I'm going to turn it over to you, Ashley. Joker had 11 nominations. 1917 had 10 nominations. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood also had 10. The Irishman also had 10. Jojo Rabbit had six. Marriage Story had six. Parasite had six. Now, I made the joke on Twitter that I don't think I saw a movie that didn't have a superhero or a <laughs> yeah, lightsaber last year. So, right for you. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I was wrong. I did see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I forgot it. So that tells you uh, what I thought yeah, of that I was movie. I to say, yeah. So I my comments are not based on me seeing any of these movies, uh, but so I want to put that out there. But, but we knew this bullshit right. was coming, right? Like this is not a surprise. Oh, always, Cynthia Erivo is the always. only Cynthia Erivo is the only person of color to be nominated for a performance category. Antonio so Banderas sorry. was nominated, Tony winner, but as our yes. friend Jose uh, Jose Solis, uh, Solis uh, mentioned, he is from Spain. He is white. Yes. 
that doesn't necessarily make him a person of color just because he's it's got a tan diagram and he's, from Spain. and he's not in the yes. middle of it. No, he's on one side. So, um, no, no surprises here. Oscar's so white, part two. Um, Oscar's so male, part, part a billion. Whatever, what number is it? I don't, <laughs> this is would, what year? Yeah, yeah honestly. <laughs> yeah, in the 80s or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so alternatively, you, you watch, you see a lot more films, you cover film more than I do. So, what are your uh, thoughts? My thoughts are the same as they always. I can only get so worked up about it anymore i mean it's kind of it's very tiring to see the same mole every year and see deserving women and actors of color and creative co- creators of color snubbed over and over again i mean it's just frustrating i'm that very open about how much i love parasite so all things aside i am rooting for parasite above everything else and that even becomes an issue because i think it's only the second or if yes, if, if, second. if it, the second to be nominated foreign language film to be nominated i believe and it would be the first to win i feel like i've messed that up but i feel like there's probably a few more because i feel like like uh a beautiful life what was that the antonio yeah. Anyway, yeah. it's not very often when you see it's a foreign very language rare. film, nominated. and then and a lot. I mean, there's a lot coded in that because you look at something like uh, I can't remember if it won Best Picture, but it was certainly nominated for every possible thing. You look at something like Inglorious Bastards, where only thirty percent of the movie was spoken in yeah. English. So you start looking at coded things as far as is this really about language or is it about <laughs> something well, significant and people- deeper. Yeah, I think a lot of people, and I don't remember exactly who I saw say it first, but multiple people saw, said it. Um, Deep Tran actually was one of the first people I saw say it. Like, there's a lot that goes into the fact of you didn't see people of color nominated in a lot of the roles where they played really strong characters, whether that was J-Lo or, again, I didn't see movies, so I don't really know the particulars. But what you see, the only person of color nominated is playing a slave. And right. so it's one of those exactly. things where it's like people love what tragedy stories. I love tragedy. Right. What porn. stories are allowed to be told by people of color as opposed to the stories of of white people? Now that being said, there are plenty of tragedies that are rewarded for white people too. But they also have the opportunities to do things like, um, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or The Joker or The Two Popes, and still be recognized. And not having to be just drugged through the depths of despair to get a nomination for playing that character. Right, so, right. you know, it's it, there's a lot goes into it. And one of the things that frustrates me, Ashley, is when we and I understand why people say it is. Well, who cares? Art is subjective and worrying about awards. Awards don't matter, but they do matter. Awards do matter yeah. whether you think they should or not. They matter to people how much money they make. They matter to what kind of films get made. And just and to generally, see this stuff over you want to be rewarded for what totally. you've done. Totally. And I get the frustration of saying, like, peace out. Who cares? And I, I totally sympathize with that. But I think it's, it's again, for straight white guy here saying that that frustrates me, not for, from the people who are saying it, but because that is such an obvious thing to think. Because there are so many benefits that should be being heaped on people um, uh, of color and right. women who aren't getting the opportunities uh, to do, like Greta Gerwig right. and Jennifer Lopez and all of these people so who in the made these incredible. Films. I saw uh, I yeah. saw so many people say, "Well," and a lot of people say it just to stir the pot. 
It's like, well, women should have made better films. First of all, <laughs> they did. <laughs> Plenty of them. I mean, you have Greta Gerwig, for one. You have Lulu Wang, who did The Farewell. You have Lorene Scarf- uh, Scafaria, who did Hustlers. There are plenty of women mm-hmm. who did brilliant films this year. The other side of that is a matter of getting the opportunity. Right. And that's the same thing we talk about in yes, theater as well. always. Always, always. <sighs> yeah. I, I, I want to actually, because I looked up the Parasite uh, Best Picture stats oh, okay, as we were talking. Good. It, with its nomination, it became the 11th foreign language film to be nominated in Best Picture. Only the sixth film to be nominated for both Best Picture and International Feature Film, which chances are very high they will give it International Feature Film, Foreign Language Film, and not Best Picture, because that's right. what they think they can get away with. <laughs> Um, yeah. If it wins, a foreign language title has never won the Oscar for Best Picture. Yeah, I, I, I would like to see a lot of these movies that are nominated before it happens. There's a lot of them that I don't care to see, yeah. like Ford versus Ferrari, no, The care. Irishman, Joker, the Irishman, I'll see. Marriage Story. I still haven't gotten to because eh. I don't have four hours to flesh out. Yeah, but, but like I want to see Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. I want to see Little Women. Yeah. Uh, I want to see Parasite. 1917. Like I, I. I'm just not a war movie guy. And although, I'm seeing today, and only because I, yeah. I'm obsessed with long takes. So, yeah, that's why I would yeah. see it is because Sam Mendes makes the film and oh, apparently deserves the nomination. Yeah, yeah because it ha- it feels like one long shot. So, like Birdman kind of did a few years ago, as right? Well, but. but that's also and Mart- ironically, Martin Scorsese, or fittingly, I should say, Martin Scorsese, who's nominated for The Irishman. Uh, has said in the past that the editor is more important than the director. And I mean, that's an editing movie, 1917, because it's obviously not shot in one whole take for over two hours. It's edited to look like it was done in one take. And I don't think they got an editing nomination, which is, I don't think Uh, so. Well, we will have a link in the show notes to all of the nominations. And I'm sure we'll talk about the Academy Awards as they get closer and at least what the winners are uh, after hopefully cynthia arrivo egots and that's about it and parasite uh, yeah she's not going to win for actress but she no. very well could win for song. um for best song right but exactly who knows yeah uh all right let's move on to some last bits of news here ashley and there are some pretty juicy ones uh so apparently the company of waitress in london has recently been hit really hard with illness and they actually had to cancel shows over the weekend to do like many concert performances because all of the jennas were out normal jenna uh lucy jones called out and both of her understudies olivia moore and sarah o'connor were unable to go on so on saturday This Saturday, the producers called former North American tour Jenna Desi Oakley, and on Monday, she made her West End debut in Waitress two days later. (laughs) It's a great story and good for Desi, um, uh, who's one of the most well-liked people in the business. Uh, It also shows you, uh, as Christina Alabato, one of Desi's best friends, said on Instagram how important it is for an actor to have an up-to-date passport. (laughs) Yes. Uh, and then the story that you mentioned uh, earlier, Ashley, yesterday, Roger Freeman from Showbiz 411 mm, yeah. reported on Monday that Frank Langella is set to direct and co-star in a production of A.R. Gurney's play Love Letters Off-Broadway this spring, and that he will appear opposite the incredible and equally legendary, if not more legendary, Elaine May. Friedman says that the show will play at the Acorn Theater and is expected to begin performances in March. I'll see Elaine May in anything ever. Well, 
Yeah, and Frank Langella too. Like yeah, we definitely. the last time he was on Broadway with I think it was a father, James and I were talking like, Well, you gotta go see it because who knows when the last time you're gonna see Frank right. Langella on Apparently, stage. Apparently go see so, Love Letters. Exactly. <laughs> and same thing with Elaine May yeah, and Waverly uh, Gallery, yeah. And Waverly Gallery. It's like, well, you've got to see her. Um, yeah, either way. Uh, over the weekend, current Mean Girls star Erica Henningsen announced that after two years of play playing Katie Heron on Broadway, not to mention in the Washington, D.C. tryout, she would be departing the production on February 22nd. No word on her replacement or if any of the other principals still in the cast, like Kate Rockwell, Gray Henson, and Barrett Wilbert Weed, will be departing after two years as well. And finally, Ashley, I saved... Um, Maybe the best for last, or, or at least the one that hits your. Yeah. Uh, it's the best. We we yeah. we, okay. we don't have to. All due respect to Frank and Elaine, yeah, you know. I mean. But on Monday, the classic <laughs> stage company announced that playing the role of the balladeer and Lee Harvey Oswald in their upcoming off-Broadway revival of Stephen Sondheim's Assassins will be Tony nominee. Should have been Tony winner. Correct. Ethan Slater. Best day ever. He jo- <laughs> yeah, best day ever. He joins a cast featuring Stephen Pasquale, Will Swinson, Brandon Uranowitz, Judy Kuhn, Adam Chandler Barrett, Wesley Taylor, Tavi Gevinson, and Andy Gratolution in the show, which will begin performances on April 2nd and is currently scheduled to run through May 17th. But that thing's going to extend as long as humanly possible because Back when tickets go on sale later today seat. at noon, <laughs> yeah, at noon today, New York time, they are going to be gobbled up. Um, I Just can by me. only. Yeah. I mean, I have Assassins is one of my top five favorite shows. I think it is so smart, and I think it has been probably one of the most unlucky shows in terms of timing ever. Yeah. Um, when you yep. look through the history of this show, when it was originally supposed to happen <laughs> off Broadway, when it was originally supposed to come to Broadway, yeah. just super bad timing, but always a, a, a collection <laughs> of some of the best talent mm-hmm. in musical theater. And this is no exception. Like when you've got. When you've got like Will Swinson playing, let me pull up who he's playing like Gateau or something. Um, he's playing, yeah, he's playing Charles Gateau. Brandon yeah. Uranowitz is playing Leon Jolgosh. Yeah. Like Wesley Taylor's playing Giuseppe Zangara. So, like yeah. these aren't big parts, but these are big stars. Um, so just, just totally incredible. Um, Adam Chandler Barrett is going to sing what I think is the, um, along with Tavi Gevinson is going to sing, I think, Stephen Sondheim's greatest melody mm. um well just because he doesn't he doesn't well no, i'll say this fair. most conventional uh great melodies um at least the most hummable 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 melody <laughs> Not too um, hum. yeah so i i love this show i don't know that i'm gonna be in town between april 2nd and may It'll 17th extend. so i'm hoping yeah. it extends uh so i can see put it. it out into the universe like all your other shows for your last trip and they'll just keep telepathic yeah telepathic. i quite literally yelled inspired at my screen when i saw the news i think ethan slater is obviously one of the most talented actors we have on stage at the moment and i repeat a travesty he didn't win the tony i will bring it up every time we talk about ethan slater or spongebob until the day i die but maybe most important, uh, I think SpongeBob could be a really tough role to come out of as an actor because it's such Absolutely. an oddball role and could That's mean exactly you're not, what I was gonna say. Yeah, it could mean you're not taken seriously, especially considering voters didn't take it seriously. So it's just really good to see him cast in something that's at least on the more contemporary side of classic, being that Assassins is three decades old at this point. Yeah, and it gives him something weighty. Like, he obviously, he played Joel Grey and Fosse Verdon, which wasn't, I right. mean, there wasn't a ton sure. there. Uh, but this is really the first thing where he's getting able to show something other 
than SpongeBob. Uh, and I think this right. is a really, really smart move um, for him from a, you know, career standpoint. Obviously, it wasn't like he just picks the rules. He obviously had to earn the shot. Oh, yeah, no. But I think from a strategic standpoint, this is really good for him. And I think he's going to be just fantastic. And thinking of, it, thinking of him as the balladeer is just really exciting. I think he's yeah. so well fit for it. And I can't wait to see him. Yeah, I, I was interested since they didn't announce who was going to play the balladeer or Lee Harvey Oswald originally. I thought yep. maybe they would do something not true because they've done yeah, a bunch of like, how they they've broken up that role. Sometimes they break it up. Yep. Um, sometimes it's the same person. Sometimes a woman plays one of the roles, right. which is always interesting. Uh, but if you're going to do the traditional balladeer Lee Harvey Oswald path, I can't think of That's a better a, person to do it. It's a really person. good choice. Yeah. Can't wait. Yep, all that is all that we have for today. Thank you for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWB Matt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, this is Ashley. All right, if you want to help Ashley get a ticket to every single performance oh, of Assassins Off Broadway, head over to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio, <laughs> broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. Have a great Tuesday, everybody, and we will be back to talk to you on Wednesday. Bye.